Magandang araw, Podmates! Our guest today is Pepe Diokno, the director of the powerful historical film Gomburza, which won a slew of awards at the Metro Manila Film Festival over this holiday season and made many of us think about history. Pepe was named Best Director in the Film Festival. Magandang araw, Pepe, and congratulations! Thank you so much, Howie. Magandang araw, and uh, hello to everybody listening. It's a real honor to be here with you, Howie, honestly. Thank you. Thank you for making the time, Pepe. Oh, you've been so busy, no? How has it been, no? Being kind of the toast of uh, Philippine cinema in the last uh, few weeks. Kumusta yung buhay mo in the last few weeks? Um, it's It's been just so surreal, honestly. Because coming from, you know, the start of the festival, I was feeling very anxious. I wasn't so sure how our film was going to do. I think when the number of cinemas came out, you were on the lower end of the spectrum along with Firefly. And congratulations, guys, for Firefly as well. Great film. But then the first two days of the festival, we would already hear stories of screenings being sold out, people really responding to the film. That just, first of all, took me by surprise. I was hoping for it, but, you know, uh, very anxious and not expecting it also and then it's just sort of snowballed from there um from 39 cinemas we're up we went up to 130 just hearing the audience reaction we've been going around different cinemas uh doing q a's afterwards uh really helping people also process the emotions after the film it's a good feeling uh, I, I i i like it i haven't been able to connect with an audience like this before with Gomburza and with fireflies people really um clamored for the film they were calling up different they were asking for for screenings and then that's uh, when the cinema started to to realize that they, I think, need to show the these films. Okay, para kang nagulat, no? Na nagkaroon ng ganitong klasing uh, reaction. Sabi mo nga, ang laki ng demand sa oras mo because of it. Parang may uh, yung may cinemalaya feel. Although this is a commercial film festival, no? Uh, it's meant to it's meant to earn money, no? Bakit ka nagugulat? Many factors. Um, MMFF, as you mentioned, this is meant to be a commercial festival, so. There was an assumption before na lahat ng mga pelikula na nasa MFF should cater to the whole family, which is why uh, you tend to have free more entertaining uh, uh, fantasy or more uh, genre fare that could fit all ages. And our film, as you mentioned, this is more serious. I would say it's intellectual and we don't have those fantasy elements that we're used to. And then coupled with that is, uh, you know, Cedric, uh, one, is a great actor. Uh, but this is his first lead role as well, and he um, doesn't have that that household name recalled yet. But I think he will definitely uh, after this film. So there were these many factors, and we were all really so anxious about getting into MFF at first um, because of these things. But but we really wanted to get into MFF because we wanted to reach the widest audience possible. And in our industry, over the last two years of the pandemic, three years actually, there was really a slump. Uh, and it's hard for us to compete with Hollywood, as always, compete with uh, bigger films, for international films. And MFF is, the re- is really the only opportunity for Filipino films where we have that protection that our government gives us. They put us in cinemas and, and, and um, audiences know that when they go to the movie houses, it's all Filipino movies that they will see. So it's a big opportunity, I think, for, for producers, and we really wanted to be part of that. We But we were not expecting na that audiences would come back to, to cinemas uh, and, of course, not expecting this reaction to the film. So, ano kayo yung factors behind that? Because no? nag-extend pa yung run 
ng uh, MMFF. No? Dumami nga yung uh, theaters, as you mentioned. People are going back to the theaters uh, after being away. Sabi mo nga, nagkaroon ng slump. We had a pandemic. And all of a sudden, parang nagkaroon ng comeback. No? Uh, which is, sabi mo na, na pati ikaw nagulat. Uh, it surprised many people. Um, nag-extend nga ng run. Ano yung thoughts mo about this? I've been thinking about it, but all I have are theories. I think kailangan talaga natin pag-aralan from a, a data perspective. We turned out this year. I'm very happy about the box office this year, which I just heard surpassed 1 billion. But I think we need to factor in the prices of the tickets and we need to see how many admissions actually that had. Because um, I think as an industry, what we need to promote is just to get more people to the cinemas again, uh, to get more admissions rather than just box office. We need more people, more Filipinos to see Filipino films. So we need to grow that. Apart from looking at admissions and seeing if this um, if this is a good thing, I definitely compared to the last two years, it was. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about why audiences are back. I think first and foremost, it's it's the selection of the films. Um, there, I think the MMFF did a good job in selecting this crop and it's it was an honor to be part of the the 10. I would also say I think that the actors are so involved this year because we were supposed to sh- to shoot this in 2020 2021. It was supposed to uh be released in 2021 as um a tribute to the 500 years of the church in the Philippines. But the project got put on hold. And over the pandemic we had lost loved ones, we'd lost coworkers, and I think when the film was restarted, when Jesscom decided to do the film again, it became a lifeline for so many of us. Parang this film, Gumburza, was an opportunity to work again, to have livelihood, but also an opportunity to do what we love, uh, and an opportunity to create something bigger than ourselves. So we really, I saw how everybody poured their heart and soul into it because it was that lifeline. It shows you that everybody, I think so many people in the industry were just so happy to get back to work. So happy after two years of a, of the pandemic, just so happy to do what we love again. And there was, there's so much passion. And so I think in the release of the films, the, the casts have been so generous with their time. You have, um, Ding Dong and Marian, for example going also to the cinemas, meeting with audiences again. We have our cast in Gumburza after the screenings doing Q&As, which makes, I think, which made MMFF more of an event. It's strange, but I was telling you a while ago, I have the same feeling as a cinemalaya. Now you see audiences excited to watch Filipino films again, decided to be part of this event that was MMFF, that is MMFF. So I think that's it. Um, all of those things came together. I think coupled also with the fact that the makeup of the industry is different now, uh, in terms of, you know, yeah, there was a big shakeup in our industry. Uh, and now the actors have more stakes in the films that they create, as well as the directors. Um, and so that, that also did help them promote it even more, the films that they made. So I think all of that came together and I'm just glad that audiences are responding as well. So I also do want to mention that uh, because ticket prices are so high now, honestly, I think they're quite high. It also sort of maybe changed the makeup of who we think our movie-going audience is. I think the people who can afford tickets to the movie houses are people who are also exposed to to cinema from all over the world. And during the pandemic, we were all watching streaming. We were all watching films on the internet. We had all been exposed to Korean. We had all been exposed to Hollywood. Even 
films from other countries. Uh, the the mom of my partner over the pandemic had discovered a Turkish TV series, but very well made Turkish TV series, for example. So we were all exposed to world cinema. But imagine through it ju- during the pandemic, so many people had that exposure, and I think that changed also the tastes, changed the expectations um, with moviegoers. And uh, it just so happened that the crop, I think, of films this year um, met those tastes and expectations. We need to see what happened this year, I think, and learn from it. Okay, so why the topic of Gomburza, the three priest martyrs of uh, 1872, and how did you end up directing it? As I mentioned, this was uh, an idea of Jesscom in order to celebrate the 500 years of the church in the Philippines. And I think to them, and but, but to me, I'll maybe talk about my own perspective on that. What I found valuable is, uh, you know, because talk about, talking about the church in the Philippines, we all know our history, cross and sword, for example, uh, where religion was used to colonize Philippines. I think this this was making the point that religion also became a tool for us to discover our national identity. Because we had been given in the secularization movement the power to wear these cassocks and uh, uh, minister the parishes that also um, empowered Filipinos and, and it made us believe that we could be just as um, you want or have the same rights as uh, Spanish people. That's where it started. So I think that it was making that point. Uh, but also, when I came into the project, I was also asking myself, what is all this hullabaloo about? Historical film, because usually big, bombastic, larger-than-life figures at times of modern. That's what they're usually about. Stories are often told about figures like that. And as I read more and more about the three priests, the more I realized that in the, this, this story is uh, a story not about individual heroism, but of the collective. It's a story not about battle but of sacrifice and I think these values are Filipino values that Rizal and the Katipunan had found so important and that's what resonated with them and I think that's what continues to resonate today. Nabanggit mo yung Jescom as the producers of the film. Jescom uh, is short for Jesuit Communications. No, They produce films and they're connected to Ateneo University. No, Tama ba? Uh, yes, but they produced Ignacio de Loyola previously. So this is their second feature film. Uh, and then they do uh, series, a lot of online content as well. Oh, okay. The Jesuits are, of course, a religious order. And, um, you know, we know from our own history, from Rizal's novels, you know, that the religious orders have also been uh, criticized, attacked, you no, know, for what they did in the Philippines. Uh, Jesuits, of course, are only one religious order. There, you know, the other prominent ones are Augustinians, the Dominicans, the Recollects, uh, etc. No, some skeptics, no, I can't help but think out loud, no, about that connection and speculate uh, that you know this is part of an effort by the church, by you know the Jesuits, maybe in particular, to you know improve the image of the church in our history. Uh, and present another side. Ani yung um, yung response mo dyan? Well, oh, it's, it's a valid critique, a valid a valid discussion to have, definitely. Uh, but at the same time, we have also got the reactions from some religious orders saying that they're angered by their portrayal in the film. But for us, well, for me personally as a filmmaker, I was uh, not 
uh, never dictated upon by uh, the Jesuits or the church um, about what to show. There was there are things actually in in the film that uh, when I began, even I was I had to ask, uh, is this okay that we, that we do this? For example, uh, the fact that Zamora, Father Zamora, was a gambler, uh, and then we show also a friar gambling with him. It's a little dusty, but it's based on the truth. And the response that I got was, we'll show it because it's true. It, it's it's based on history. There's a scene in the film, I think, that just, which is where um, a lot of the discussion comes from, where uh, we have a friar uh, who says at the end of it all that they were used and that his, uh, history uh, will hate us friars and not the not, not scared of the governor general and not Spain. That's actually also one of my favorite uh, scenes but what I do have to say about that scene is that I don't think it's meant to absolve the friars for uh, for what they've done and earlier on in the film we talk a lot about the excesses of the friars we, there, there are lines about how they uh, grab land there, there are lines and scenes about how conservative they were how they refused to teach Spanish uh, to the the locals and how um, the friars are in, in the in this film it said that they were the cause of uh, why there's so little progress in the Philippines so it wasn't meant to absolve all that uh, what it was meant to show was that in the situation of Gomburza and the three priests why is it that so many Filipinos have not heard about Izquierdo for example yet I think it's a, a valid thing to say that the friars do tend to take heat and not not the policies of the government, which were very uh, anti-Filipino in the sense the Filipinos who were uh, people who were born here. We had less rights just because we were born here. And I don't think uh, necessarily just because of the friars, it's also because of the policies of the government back then. Okay, that, that begs the question, Nga. Now, how much of this is based on what really happened? Sabi mo nga, it's based on the truth. No, yung that particular incident that you mentioned with the, with the with the friar. No, and dami kasing detalye nito. No, and then there's been some nitpicking. There's been some debate, discussion. How faithful is it? And to what extent uh, were you obliged to be accurate in your portrayals? Well, it is a historical. Uh, it is a, a work of drama based on historical. Uh, records, but I think at the core of it, at the core of it, is that we we needed to at its heart present. I think what we what our, our view of what happened and, and our view of what history was. I think the one of the first challenges that we had really was that there's so many conflicting records and texts about Burgos, so many conflicting records and texts about the Cavite mutiny, and about. Iskerdo, for example. So some historians will tell you that Burgos wrote the Manifesto of Los Filipinos. Other historians will say he didn't. Some historians will tell you that uh, the uh, Cavite mutiny was just an uprising, not even an uprising, but just a protest of soldiers who uh, were unhappy with the politics of Iskerdo. Others will tell you that no, it was actually a proto-revolutionary uprising in order to to get rid of the control of Spain. And then with this, hold on, just 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 pause for a second there before you proceed. That particular point, Lan, uh, I wanted to ask you also about. May connection ba talaga yung tatlong pare doon sa Cavite mutiny uh, sa sa palagay mo? Well, we so 
throughout all these conflicting records and conflicting historical texts, we um, made the decision very early on to focus on the writings of Father uh, Schumacher, uh, one of our foremost historians, also Jesuit, taught at Ateneo. Uh, he had written uh, a text called Cavita uh, Mutiny Toward the Definitive History. Uh, and that's what we defaulted towards. So in, in that, he said that the priests did not have a direct involvement in the Cavita Mutiny. That others had, that there was the grumblings of the soldiers, that they were thinking already about ending the control, and that they were helped monetarily by these Criollos. Uh, and it had laid out their plans in, in this text. So that's that's the that's a text that we defaulted to, um, and that informed the script, basically. So so yeah, uh, we sort of had to make that call early on because when you make a film, it has to I think present the story that's that's clear. Uh, there, we did have earlier drafts where all of those different competing narratives were uh, explored, but then for me it lacked an emotional line. So I made the decision very early on. Okay, we're we're sticking with Schumacher. And we're presenting this, this this view of history. And his line was, "Ginamit lang yung Cavite mutiny as like a um, a reason to arrest these three priests. These they were considered troublemakers, especially see si Burgos and to a lesser extent the other two, you know, uh, to kind of uh, eliminate them uh, as threats to to the regime, to the Spanish regime, no? Yes. The context of all that was because, uh, and it says in the opening lines of the film, opening supers, that in Mexico, uh, the revolution was led by a priest, Father Morelos. And I think that's that was the thinking behind Izquierdo. And that's the reason why napag-initan yung tatlo. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, well, one interesting aspect of your film was the way it began with Hermano Pule, no? Uh, which which you show in the which you show in the beginning of the film wanted to become a priest but was uh, prevented from doing so because he was an Indio so he set up his own religious movement that uh, rebelled and they you know of course and then they ended up being massacred so parang you you connected the dots from Hermano Pule to Pelaez to Burgos to later on Pesciano Mercado and then and then of course Jose Rizal no. Uh, was that also the Schumacher thesis? How much liberty did you take with that? I mean, going all the way back to Hermano uh, Pule as kind of a um, precursor or a, like a predecessor of Gomburza and Pelaez. I was talking to to Roddy Vera about this. Uh, the decision to start with Pule, I think, was an idea of, of Roddy. And Roddy, uh, apart from Schumacher, let me pull up and read because I was just talking to him about it a while ago. Roddy had also uh, consulted the works of other historians like Fidel Villaruel, Luciano Santiago, Carlos Quirino. I think that's, that's sort of where it came from as well as Schumacher. For me, the reading Schumacher, the line from Pelaez to Burgos to Pasiano to Rizal was very clear. Uh, and actually, in um, uh, Rizal did dedicate El Fili to the three priests. Uh, they're there in the introduction. Uh, there is a cover uh, of El Fili, although I think it's the second or third edition where you see the, the three priests already. Uh, this was actually early early 1900s. But but there is that visual link. And then in letters that Rizal had written to friends, he had actually said that if it were not for the three priests, I probably would not have written my novels. I would probably be a Jesuit friar, he said. Uh, and then another letter he had said that uh, Gomburza or Burgos specifically 
had taught me concepts of justice, for example. So that that line was was, was very clear. Um, and then and then added to the fact that Nakatipunan uh, was inspired by Kumburza uh, as well. They had actually, we say it in the film, uh, used uh, black pieces of black cloth uh, to uh, as anting anting actually. It's the password pa yung Gumburza, no? Sa Katipunan. Yeah. For me, that was a, a risk early on. Eh, na parang when, I, when, I, when I first came into the project and we were reading more about history, I had really gravitated towards this story that was not just about the three priests, but about how uh, the, this little fire had spread throughout society and became the revolution that we had. I was so fixated by the fact that the term Filipino, to refer to us as a people had actually started with uh, the native priests. Actually, Pelaes had uh, a publication called um, he had Catholico Filipino. Filipino. Yeah, so he had actually used it as a, uh, in the publication, so that that term started with the priests, and it really was only meant to refer to them, uh, native Philippine-born priests. But then eventually. Uh, it started to catch on other sectors of society. The Criollos, the Mestizos had adopted it until it became adopted by uh, us as a nation. Although I know when the Philippines was founded, even that was a question, whether we should call ourselves Filipino, uh, and whether the Philippines is even a name that we need to call our, our country. And that's, I think, another discussion that we should have all together. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, it was a, that, that was a little fire that began in the church, began with the priests, and then spread society. Okay, I, I have to insert a question suggested by one of my colleagues who also watched Gumburza. And maybe others are also wondering about this detail in your story. You know? The Ketchup Eusebio character, uh, the one who uh, impl- implicated Gumburza. Zaldua, Francisco Zaldua. Actually, the fourth tama, tama. executed. Uh, tama, and he was, yeah, Zaldua. Correct, correct. Um, was he ordered by the Spanish to implicate the priest for what? Any motivation you don't? Historical records, it said that he did testify against the three priests. Uh, as I, I mentioned one of the Q and A's that we did. Uh, the actual records of the trial have not been found. Um, many have been trying over the years to find them. Even uh, we even tried uh, in the military archives uh, in Spain because just so happened that my aunt Maris Jocno who. Used to head start the historical commission. She had she was there when we were doing preparations, and I I begged her to try, but really hasn't been found. Um, but yeah, according to the the testimonies that that we have, and even Schumacher says that Zadua testified against the three priests. But I will say we did have a departure with Zadua, and two departures actually that that I, that I want to discuss. Uh, one was Zadua, and then another having to do with Burgos. The first thing about Zaldua is, according to records, uh, when it was his turn to be executed, he apparently allegedly went up on stage and was so smug about it. He was smiling. He was he was uh, confident until the very last moment that he would be pardoned. And I, when we, when me and our key staff in the team had, had discussed this, we felt that that wasn't right. Or the story that we were trying to tell, we needed to give Zadua a motivation to to turn against the three priests, three priests who he knew were innocent, and projecting it, I think, to who we are today. We were thinking about what would what would motivate somebody to to be a traitor, 
what would motivate somebody to implicate someone that they know is innocent? And there are some reasons, maybe to protect the family, maybe for money. And so for Zadua, we had been a little bit more sympathetic and said, maybe he did it to protect his family. And that's what grounded his uh, character as portrayed in the film. Ketchup had portrayed this character who was not necessarily part of that rich Criollo circle, but maybe wanting to be somebody who was uh, given this opportunity, maybe to be part of it, and then was ultimately the fall guy. And he was, for me, the fall guy. Um, was He was executed while uh, the people who had uh, allegedly funded this thing were were um, were given exile. So that's 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 one departure I want to discuss. The other having to do with the mutiny with the execution is Burgos. Uh, according to historical accounts, Burgos's last words. By the way, the last words of Gomez and Burgos in the film are their actual last words uh, based on historical records. So Gomez had really said, "Walandahon uh, sa puno ang pwede lumibad kung hindi kahilingan ng Dios." Very poetic. And that informed his characterization as somebody being very stoic, uh, somebody who had accepted his fate. With Burgos, he said, uh, wala kami kasalanan. Uh, bakit kami kailangan mamatay ng ganito? Wala bang hustisya sa mundo? And historical accounts had said that he delivered it weeping, pitiful, crying. And for me, story-wise, I don't think it would have been a satisfying ending. Because it goes against what we know about him. We know that he was a firebrand. We know he was intelligent. We know that he was standing up for their rights. Why would he, at the last moments of his life, revert to this cowardice that, that, that they say, something so undignified? It didn't seem right from a character perspective. And then when we started to ask, okay, what did he say? Wala kami kasalanan. We asked ourselves, isn't that something that's dignified? Isn't that something that's defiant? Isn't that the most dignified thing you can do when faced with a wrongful execution is to proclaim your innocence. And isn't that, when he proclaimed this innocent, isn't that what energized the crowd? Isn't that what the crowd saw? This innocent person getting killed. We are familiar with this injustice. We know that injustice and that united everybody to say we're all Filipino just like him. So in the film, we wanted to give this dignified wala kaming kasalanan uh, delivery for, for Burgos. Uh, and, and I think that's really what what we were trying to present. That you know, even if you know these three priests were were killed tragically, uh, wrongfully, but the the fire that they had didn't die, and because the fire had spread throughout the people who were there and throughout the people who had heard about the story, then ultimately it gave birth to our, our country. So it wasn't a complete and total loss. Wasn't a complete and total tragedy. One intriguing uh, presence the on some. Uh, iba't ibang eksena sa Gumburza, no? Yung Indio character na may mahabang buhok, uh, you see him being the servant of the peninsulare priests, no? Uh, and then he he makes appearances here and there. And then nandun siya sa execution scene, no? Uh, and eventually, you show him being one of the revolutionaries, no? I guess he's he's meant to represent, like, this whole Indio population. I'm sure they had India servants, diba, in the convents and serving the priests, no? You, we, you, did, you, you didn't have to invent that. But yung, yung ganong classing character na talagang para you show this gradual conscientization, polit, politicization, no? Or naging political yung dating nag-o-observe lang ng mga 
yung mga behaviors ng mga kanyang mga amo, no? Uh, what thoughts went into that character? It's a dramatic device. It's a story device. Uh, the character, but it was coming from the the thought that early on in the film we see a a very fractured society. There's a difference between uh, those born in Spain and those who were born here. There's a difference between classes. The Indios that we see were servants and the the richer, more elite. And then there's one scene where a servant is asked if he considers himself Filipino and he says, no, I'm Tagalog. So it just, uh, we were not a nation in the sense uh, at the time. But when the priests were killed, everybody had began to see themselves in these three priests. And a lot of historians say, uh, actually some historians have also said, although I don't necessarily agree with this, some historians have said that uh, one historian said that there was no Philippine history before 1872, the year that Kumburza was killed. I don't agree with that. But many would point to that event as a, a an event that, that unified us and maybe all of us said, oh, we're, we're just like them. We are Filipinos. But, but it wasn't just the, the elite who said that. It was everyone, even the Indios. And I think everyday sort of Filipinos of all classes had come together in that scene. So we needed that representation. And so we were very intentional about planting this early on. And I think that is, uh, it also reflects what the construction of the film, in a sense that we, it, it shows this little fire that grows, that becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you make that a parallel visually, it shows characters who are in the background, who seemingly have no significance, coming more and more into the foreground until they, they have an impact at the end. Okay, I have to refer at this point no, to, to something that happened on a, a reality show on TV that uh, which kind of made a lot of people laugh, but at the same time, uh, may kahalong hiya and um, uh, you know overall uh, embarrassment. Just to refresh, you know, there was this um, uh, TV reality show where there are some uh, young uh, artistas or artista wannabes who made the mistake of uh, of referring to Gomburza as Majoha instead. No, uh, uh, you know, they, should, they basically just got uh, a little bit of their history confused. No. Well, actually, when that happened, Majoha, we were already uh, preparing for the film. So we had a group chat. And as soon as that came out, somebody had already sent in our group chat a poster that said, Majoha. If you think about it, they were not wrong. Because Mariano Gomez, Majo, was say Burgos, Ha, Jacinto Zamora. They had just uh, put together the first names and not the last names. And for me, what that made me realize is I'm not different. Most of us are not different from them because maybe we know their names. Maybe we know how they died, that they died by Garote. But actually, even I came in not knowing much other than that. Not just details like, for example, that that uh, Gomez was much older than the other two or details like uh, there was a Padre Pedro Pedaes who had mentored Burgos or details like Zamora, for example, was really just at the wrong place at the wrong time during his arrest. But more of like the bigger picture, like the fact that this parang idea of a national consciousness began with the secularization movement. So parang for me, it was more of a challenge in order to um, to deepen and I guess and, and just yeah explore that part of our history even more. I don't want to laugh about it also because I, I think it just it, it just made me realize that oh, how come when we when we learn history in school, it's really just enumeration of names and dates and stuff. Isn't that how we're supposed to teach history. So isn't it more about mm -hmm. the context and the meaning of what these events um, yeah, can mean to, to, to us? Yeah, and of course, uh, 
the word the word story is part of the word history. Diba? I mean, uh, history is is much more than names and dates. Sabi mo nga, it's really a story, which basically what your movie is. It's it's a po- very powerful story, and that's really what's going to be embedded in people's heads rather than acronyms and you know those little details that make up the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when 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 we were doing post, I was also going back to school. Sort of, I attended the workshop in Italy. I told you about this before, but I, I just want to mention uh, I was in Torino, and this is uh, the original capital of Italy. This is where the ruling family had come from before Italy was unified. And our uh, one of my my uh, the the workshop uh, organizers was giving us a tour. She was talking about, oh, this is uh, my favorite historical figure. His name is Camilo Cavour. And she gave us a quote. She said, he said once, uh, okay, we've unified Italy. We made Italy. Now it's time to make Italians. And uh-huh. I, <laughs> that, I realized that nationhood, our, our identity is something that's constructed. It's not something that we are, that's just given to us and, that, and then it's okay. No, it's actually, it's an ongoing project. It's something intentional. So I'm not sure how it affected the film, but I always ask myself, how do we create Filipinos? How uh, do we participate in this project of nation building uh, today? What are the stories that we tell each other? What are the ideas that we exchange uh, that makes us who we are? Uh, just food for thought. Well, yeah, uh, uh, in in that context, then I just you know I I, I want to tell uh, our our listeners and viewers, or maybe remind because maybe many of them already know. That you know, you're not coming from nowhere. No, I mean, you're you're the son of Chiel Diok, no, you're the uh, who uh, you know was uh, a human rights lawyer, ran for the Senate. Uh, you're the grandson of uh, Jose Diok, no, your namesake, um, who was a you know considered the father of human rights in the Philippines. Uh, and then one of your gr- ancestors, si Ananias, oh, great grandfather, well, great grandfather, was si General uh, Diok, no. Oh, of the of the Philippine Revolution, then. Yes. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what I want to ask about that is, to what extent does your ancestry, your lineage, you know, influence influence your work, your choices of topics, no? Um. Because I noticed, uh, well, obviously, Gomburza is a serious film, but even your previous work, you've done work on, you know, frat violence, you know, the drug war, young. Uh, uh, yung above the clouds is also about grandson, grandfather estrangement. You know, it's also pretty, pretty intense. No, um, can a Pepe Diok, no, you know, with that kind of lineage, do comedy, for example? I mean, I mean, what, do you feel free to do anything you want, or do you feel a certain responsibility, na, to do social commentary, political films, history, historical films? Uh, well, first, with historical films, I think it's a it's really an honor and a privilege just to get the opportunity to 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 do one. So when Jesscom had invited me to to pitch for the project, I jumped at it. Um, was I, I think all filmmakers, I think, would like most filmmakers would like to explore this, but it's important for us to tell stories. But I don't know. <laughs> I would say maybe early on, but I, but I'm trying to to distance myself from that. Try to have more more fun, I guess. You know, over the last eight, because I, I haven't made the film in eight years. My last film was still in 20, 2015, actually. And then in the interim, I stopped making movies. I really feel after that third film that I had hit a dead end creatively. So uh, I went into advertising, actually. So I'd done a lot of commercials, branded short films, those viral films that you 
that many people watched. Um, we made some of those, and I've I've done love stories, uh, the branded commercials that millions have seen. I've done um, comedies, uh, and I, I I really find it fun, uh, and it's something that I would like to do uh, more of. There's a film I'm working on now that's a that's a horror film. Uh, but I th- I don't think mawawala the political or the social aspect of it because I think that all the stories, all art I think is political. Every, every filmmakers I think should have a point of view. Um, so I don't think mawawala yun, But I'm trying to have more fun with what I do. I, I hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I've seen some of those commercials. They are they, they are they are fun. I, I mean, uh, it's just that they're they're rarely branded as directed by Pepe Diok, No, I mean the films that you're really known for are the are these films. But in particular, just before we wrap up, Pepe, no, uh, yung yung film mo na Encuentro that was years before President Duterte uh, was elected uh, president, uh, and uh, when you made it, uh, it he was mayor of Davao. No, well, it was basically what was going on in Davao at that time. No, uh, but it foretold what was going to happen in the country. Uh, just uh, you know, years later, because two thousand nine. So imagine uh, that was seven years before, no. And then you were, it was kind of a warning in a way, no. Uh, so how did you feel when yung topic mo, yung subject mo, doon sa film na yon, became kind of real life, you know, writ large? On one level, I think I felt like like I had failed, honestly. That it even came to a point. And I think this is one of the reasons why I started making films. I started, I stopped making films in 2016. But yeah, 2015, 2016. Ispara, what are we even doing this for? I still have those feelings every now and then, those thoughts every now and then. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, okay. But has that perception or feeling changed now because of Gomburza and the reactions to it? The thing is, it, I, 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 I don't uh, blame the audience and i don't blame the people in the last eight years uh, apart from doing advertising i've also uh done comms uh done a lot of volunteer work as well talking about different issues human rights for example and even during my political um during election season uh and and i've come to realize that if we're not getting the message across and if we're not creating the responses that we want it's less about the people and more about us and the perspective that we have. How do we retrain our thinking? How do we change the way we speak in order to get points across even more? And maybe for me personally, it's been a change of perspective. It's not, I've tried to change my perspective from what can I express? What can I say? What message can I impart? And more of what can I give? What can I share? What experience? I can share with the viewers. It sounds simple, but I think that it's major fundamental. Now, we need to think of our audience more. Is what basically what I've learned over the last eight years. What experience are we giving them? How how are we? What emotions are we stirring in them? And yeah, so I I think now with this film, I was lucky that with this film, sort of been able to apply that perspective. I'm now thinking about the audience even more. I, I respect the audience, and I I want to keep giving the audience uh, stories that are, are well-developed and, and well-made. In the times that I was dejected because of what was happening in our country, it forced me to look inward and see that there, there were failings and limitations, maybe, yeah, on my end, that uh, I needed to improve. 
Wow, um, you know, as as part of your audience, thank you, thank you for that perspective and 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 thinking of us in in that way. So that's a great note to end on, uh, Pepe. No, this has been a great conversation. Uh, salamat uh, for sharing the backstories, and uh, may you continue to direct quality films. Mabuhay ka, Pepe Diokno, award-winning director of Gomburza. Been an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, Podmates. Download this episode so you can listen to it anytime, anywhere. Stay safe, Podmates.